Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Yes, You Can, the podcast. It has been the most amazing and unreal week. I started this podcast without even knowing what I was going to call it. Uh, I had been thinking about it for some time, as I said in episode one, but I really was just, I just sat down on my computer after feeling super, super inspired and decided to do this like one shot take at a stream of consciousness, talking about mental health, talking about my story. And I really didn't even know where I was going to end up, but the amount of messages and phone calls and things I've received as a result has shown me that there's clearly a need. And it just goes to show that I'm not taking credit for myself. I'm not saying it's because of me that, that people are feeling inspired or creative or whatever. I think that there's been a need for something like this, especially in Winnipeg with like a little bit of a local lens on mental health and really talking and speaking honestly about it. I know that when this happened to me, if you've listened to episode one, hopefully you have, there's only two episodes, so there's not too many to get through yet. Um, When this happened to me, when my mom passed away, there was literally nothing like there was a lot of websites with phone numbers to call. And, and in my time when I've been battling my own, you know, journey with, I wouldn't even say use the word battle, actually, I'll retract that. When I've been going through sort of the ebbs and flows of mental health, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, I've called those crisis lines. I've called before to talk to somebody, but it didn't really feel like anybody was talking to me. It didn't feel like anybody was speaking directly into my soul about the things I was experiencing and able to understand what I was going through or especially at a younger age, like especially at a losing a parent, I feel like that was, I thought it was unique at the time. And what I've come to realize is through messages and through people reaching out, it's not actually that unique, but there wasn't anything for me to see or touch or talk to or reach out to besides my own psychologist So I'm happy to be that person. I think that we all sort of feel a sense of purpose on things that we are meant to be doing. And this is definitely a project that's drawing me in that direction for whatever reason. So we are going to continue. We're going to soldier on (laughs) having more and more honest conversations. And I, the last thing I want to say about, well, definitely not the last thing I'm going (laughs) to... This is going to be a topsy-turvy, like non-linear conversation all the way through. But one of the last things hopefully that I'll say in, re- in reference to last week's episode is, you know, I, I, I know 100% that that was a heavy start. It was definitely heavy up top. So I'm hoping that you listened to it, got way, all the way through, most of the way through, all the way through, preferably. <laughs> we want, I want you to listen to the whole thing as, like a, as a summary, as a story, as a package, but um, but it was really heavy up top. And so I had a few friends being like, man, this is really sad. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. I know. But just wait, like, just hold on. I swear it's going to get better. There's going to be like, an, it's an, an upswing. Like I'm only doing this because I'm through it. I'm only doing this because I'm, because I'm beyond the muck. I'm, I'm out of the valley. I'm, you know, on an upswing. And so, um, yeah, that's, I, de- I definitely know that the beginning was, was really heavy and probably hit a lot of you hard, but as somebody who's gone through it, it's like, this is my normal story. This is something that's completely normal to me. Now, when I'm telling the story, when I'm needing new people, um, and especially dating, I've had a lot of people reach out via messing like messenger saying that they want me to talk about dating and man, <laughs> I will, but it is a whole other, it's a whole other kitten and It's a whole other ball game. It's a whole other like almost podcast, but I will talk about it for sure. But in my experience of, of talking about mental health in introducing my story to new people, I almost feel bad for them. Like I feel worse for them. I'm not sad. I'm not triggered talking about my story. It's my experience. If I, if I were trying to separate myself from my own experience and not think about it, Um, I would be triggered. I would be completely vulnerable um, in the spaces where my armor wasn't covering myself. And by armor, I mean like the walls that we put up to to protect ourselves from other people. Um, If I wasn't living my experience, if I wasn't healing from it, if I wasn't going through it, if I wasn't confronting it, my fears, 
then of course I would be triggered by it every time somebody talked about depression or suicide. Now it's, this is who I am. And because I've allowed it to like fill me up in a way, I, I'm comfortable speaking about it. I'm probably too comfortable speaking about it because if you got through the part about the funeral and stuff, I think people were like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I, but at the same time, a lot of people have reached out to me to get uh, references on where did your well. So I'm, you know what, if I achieve nothing else from this podcast, then fuck yeah, you guys are going to have all your estate shit figured out. Hopefully you never need to use it or not for a very, very long time. Um, but yeah, I had somebody re- I had, I was a guest on a podcast earlier this year, um, called offstage Winnipeg by my good friend, Pam Hardman. And she asked me at the time, like, you know, knowing that I was single, I was like pretty recently single at the time how I bring it up with people, like if they don't know me, if they don't, if they haven't, you know, followed me along or the Winnipeg's, if there's like one degree of separation between everybody, like I'm, you meet somebody and you're like, okay, let's figure out like this, you know, tree of who we know, like a Venn diagram of like our common friend groups. Um, so if they haven't heard of me, I'm not saying that is in the way that I'm like famous, but like if they haven't heard of me or know me or see, have seen my posts or read my blog, that has been around for six years. Um, then it is a bit like, you know, doing the dance of when to drop this. Cause you feel like if they have no concept, if you have, if you're, even if you as a listener don't, haven't gone through anything traumatic and I really hope it stays that way, it's hard for somebody to empathize. Um, and I don't mean sympathize. I mean like really empathize, like put themselves in your shoes and walk beside you through what you're talking about. So on some dates, sometimes it's the first date. Um, other times I've been like, you know, I have a tattoo on my inner arm talking about my mom. It's, it's, it's actually in her writing. Um, I was lucky enough to have some closure from, from her and had a letter that she had written me. And so I got those words tattooed on my body. It says, I love you so much. XOXO mom. And it's in her writing. And, um, so that is a conversation starter because people will often ask you about your tattoos and I was ready for it. I almost, I think I knew subconsciously that this would sort of help me help be almost like a door to walk through for some people. I think most people understand what a memorial tattoo is, but, um, not everybody does. So some people are like, Oh, what's that tattoo you got on your arm? I'm like, Oh, buckle up. <laughs> Here we go. And some, sometimes like it'll be a complete stranger. And if they're an asshole, if they're like really like pushing, um, I'll be like, yeah, my mom died. And they'll be like, Oh, how anybody who asks how, like, you know, can go fuck themselves really like, like you don't ask that. Um, obviously I talk about it really openly, but you don't just ask a complete stranger and I'll be like, well, you know, and I'll maybe decide to drop the bomb. I had a guy once be like, she didn't, wasn't breast cancer. Was it? And I'm like, man, any fucking way for her to die would have been bad. <laughs> like, what do you mean like not breast cancer like anyway was was shitty like anyways whatever I digress I wasn't dating him this was a stranger for the record absolute fool um but yeah so I have this tattoo that I guess it's a bit of like a an olive branch in a way like it's a it's a bit of a as I said door to walk through for certain people to to start to open the conversation. And sometimes depending, depending on who it is, I can like, I'm again, I, I feel like I'm an oversharer. Like I say vulnerability is my superpower and I'm so transparent. It's so freeing. If you ever get to the place, man, welcome. It is a great place to be. You just stop giving fucks altogether. Kind of certain people can handle it and other people cannot. And if you're listening, you're one of those people who are interested in talking about real shit And those are the kinds of people I want to talk to. Like, I'm not here for surface level relationships. I'm not here for surface level small talk. I can do it, but it literally sucks the soul out of me. So um, yeah, I, I bring this subject up with a lot of levity. And I think that's the way that I would love everybody to be talking about mental health in the future. We, we do it in the wrong way right now with levity. We do it in the wrong way in terms of we joke about it. And when I joke about it, it's really like 
it's like I'm telling my own story and I'm joking about the funnier parts of it or the things where you're like, man, is, is this actually happening? Is this actually part of my experience right now? Like having to deal with this nun who kept hovering at the hospital we were at and like, and at the time, like she's a very Catholic nun and I could just picture my mom sort of being like, bug her off. Like she just was, she's always like around and she kept trying to like help my brother and I just, it was like, it, 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 I felt like we were in a comedy sketch where we're just like, I, I'm like, Fletch, are we going to have to tell this nun to fuck off? Like, like are we going to have to like, cause she just would not take a subtle hint later on. I found out one of my aunts was like, kept telling her to stay. So it makes, <laughs> it makes so much sense in hindsight, but like at the hospital, we were dealing with this like hovering nun, the hovering nun is what we called her. No, maybe I just made that up. I don't know. That's how I picture her. Sweet lady. God bless her. Literally. Um, so I talk, I joke about my experience because I can, I can identify the funnier parts or like the, the black humor, the dark humor, as some would say. And, um, when your only choice is like, either you're going to cry harder or you're going to have to laugh about it at some point. I have a, a lot of stories like this. And, um, but I find that people who don't have any experience joke about it in the wrong way. So what I would love for people to stop doing is saying like, Oh, I just want to kill myself or doing the gun gesture to the head. And like, you know, the, the brain's blowing out. It's kind of like the whole thing. Like you can't just put the gun. You have to actually, the, the people actually put show like or gesture with their hands, like brains, like, and, and, to those of us who have lost people and have very vivid imagery in our minds, either because some I've had friends who've reached out and they've actually been the one to find the person, which I'm so glad I've never had to, I, I didn't have to go through that. I have definitely visualized it and pictured it. Um, but for those of us who have gone through a loss like that, it's like you're, you're confronted with these people who are talking about, suicide as if it is something funny and that is it's not funny like depression isn't funny there's elements within your own experience you can laugh at for sure um but this is like a broad topic it's not funny and so I want I want to put that caveat whenever I'm whenever I'm laughing at myself like the self-deprecating sort of humor or like my own experience I'm telling it with like a bit of levity it's not um, it's not making fun of anything. It's certainly not making fun of these topics. I've like, I, like even, even like it's, it's the way we talk about it. It's, I feel like it glamorizes it, makes it seem really sexy, really like deep and dark and like mysterious. And, and, and yet the words seem to be as like weightless as balloons. They're just words that people throw around. I'm so depressed. It's like, if you are, let's talk about it. Like, let's have a real conversation. But if you are, if you, if you're just saying that because you're experiencing a fleeting moment of sadness, that's, it's not cool or dramatic to put it in that way. It's not, it, it's not the right way of describing your feelings. And so I would love through this podcast for us to sort of like talk about language as something that is, that has meaning and has power and being really purposeful about how you speak implies respect for others. So the way that you choose to, to joke about things. And it's, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about being so politically correct that we've lost all senses of humor. And I, I love comedy. I love it so much. One of my secret, not so secret dreams is to one day do like stand up comedy. I'd love to just try it just to see what happens. <laughs> like if nothing else, I can talk about being tall for like a good 45 minutes and like all of the shit people say to you when you're six foot tall, which is how tall I am for those of you who don't know me. Fun fact, people are like, oh, let's try one out and right now. Let's try one out. Let's try one out. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Um, like I feel like I've just, oh man, I wish I was tall. I wish I was tall. Like, no, you don't. You do not wish you were six feet tall as a woman, like trying to find my ankles are always cold. They are perpetually cold. 
the minute I get home, the first thing I do is like put on tall socks and like booties just to warm them up from the day because no matter how long an enzyme, it's never long enough. And you know what? Another thing about men or people that you date, it's like everybody wants to feel small. And I see these girls, my friends included, who are like five three, five four, and they're dating six three men. And I'm just like, stay in your fucking lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> you can date anybody. Like some, especially the guys who say that they're six feet when they're actually five ten. Those are my favorite. Like they they come at me as if I'm as if I'm lying. They're like, you're not six feet. You're six two. I'm like, I am not six two. Like, <laughs> like you're not the person who's gonna like lead you know tell me that I am I've been lied to my whole life by every doctor like I know that you're just doing what every athlete did in their roster card which is saying that they're taller than they are I know it I let's get a fucking measuring tape out right now let's do it anyways a little bit of a tangent so I could go on for tall jokes like my whole life if I wanted what I'm going at, what I'm trying to get to is that language has meaning and I understand that. And certain people can relate to your story and others can't. And in choosing to start this podcast and choosing to decide what stories I'm going to tell, you'll notice even in the first episode, um, I omitted some details. I didn't go into complete um you know, nitty gritty about certain experiences. I said, this isn't my story to tell. It's because, uh, I'm only going to be sharing the stories that I have worked through, that I have confronted, that I know I've healed from and that aren't going to trigger me. Because if I were doing this for any other reason than to help other people, it would be this really hard self-flagellation of, you know, once again, trying to punish myself by going into all of the details. I've worked through it. I've paid a lot of dollars for therapy. My dog is scratching herself. I don't know if you can hear. People said that they enjoyed hearing the dogs walk around. So you know what? We're, I'm going to take that. <laughs> I'm going to take that. If you heard the little tappy tap of their nails. I've got, again, I've got three dogs. There's just a lot of dogs in my house. But yeah, so that's how I've decided which stories to tell. And so I'm going to continue on the storytelling train here. Today, I'm going to be focusing on the F words, as I'm calling them, fear and forgiveness. So as you can imagine, within my story, I've had to um, deal with a lot of both of those things. And the forgiveness part has definitely been the hardest. And I'm, I won't say that I've forgiven every single person in my life, but as it relates to uh, mental health and my mom, especially I've forgiven the, the big players in the game, including myself. Fear is something that I've always found such a fascinating emotion. Fear is the driver of those secondary emotions that we often recognize first. So if you see somebody who's angry, anger isn't the first emotion. Anger is a result of feeling something else. So feeling betrayed, feeling hurt, feeling fear, feeling any of those other emotions that are the primary carnal ones. Angry, being angry is often the emotion that we feel socially acceptable, accepted rather, to feel, especially for men. If there's any men listening to this episode, um, you know, toxic masculinity is something that I've worked on professionally and, and created programs around, worked with football players on talking about toxic masculinity and, and, Every single one of them, when we do a Drew training, I ran this program called Break the Silence on Violence Against Women with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We would do training um, with high school students, but first the players had to get trained themselves. And they would, whenever we talk about, you know, what emotion are you, are you, do you feel the most? Do you, what emotion do you feel the most connected to your masculinity? And every single one of them said anger. And they said, what, what, emotions were you not allowed to feel when you were a kid and that would be fear um hurt being lonely being sad any of those other feelings are not ones that they were allowed to feel you know stopping a little bitch stopping a pussy all of these words ironically not so ironically associated with feminism or being feminine so to distance themselves from being women, they had to um, cover up those emotions with anger. For women, it's like 
if you are angry, then you are seen as being crazy, emotional, um, any word that's that's associated with being irrational. So you have to you have to like in, instead of being able to feel angry or feel betrayed, you are supposed to like minimize yourself and be smaller. You are allowed to though cry and and show like a different display of emotions. So, but I, I firmly believe that we are either driven by fear or love. Fear or love. And for me, I've done a lot of work on trying to identify what it is that I'm most afraid of. And so I talked about this in the first episode about abandonment. And due to what I've experienced with my family, with, you know, what I could summarize in like bullet point form, really starting from um, my dad leaving uh, the marriage and, and kind of our family unit to my mom leaving in a certain way, my brother moving away. Um, I clung on to my relationships so tightly because I was so afraid of being left and I didn't realize it at the time. My last relationship, I would say that's even more true. And, um, anytime something really good comes my way, I'm sort of thinking like my, I'm already thinking like five steps down the road of like, what's the worst possible thing that could happen. Um, and then in the last year I've been working so hard to, to quell those fears, to just make that voice smaller and instead make the voice that says you deserve, you are worthy, you are going to be loved, you loved yourself, all of those things, all of those words, I'm trying to make that voice stronger and more powerful. So when we talk about fear, there's a lot of things I'm afraid of, but I have to combat that with a different narrative. I have to switch the script because my brain is going to be trying to self-preserve and it only, and one of my favorite quotes, I'm going to do a whole, like who else you should be listening to. Um, I think a lot of people who've reached out to me said they don't listen to podcasts currently, but I'm going to talk about one of my favorite, uh, authors. She's also a podcaster. She's also a speaker. She's also a TEDx speaker, um, Brene Brown. And one thing she said to, um, Man, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Great. That's great. That's wonderful. It's not going to come to me. <laughs> it's not going to come to me. Anyway, I'll, she, maybe I'll cut this part. Maybe I won't. She's the author of Big Magic. Still not coming to me. I could Google this. I'm just going to see if my brain starts turning on at any point. But Brene Brown was on her podcast, and I listened to it about creativity and fear and the quote that I love is that the thing you are most afraid of has already happened. The thing you are most afraid of has already happened. So when I talk about my fear of abandonment, it is because I have been abandoned. And so whatever it is that you are most afraid of, and you're probably thinking about it right now. So close your eyes, think of whatever it is that's trying to bubble up to the surface let it come. It's going to come at some point. So you might as well control it. And by control it, I mean, allow it, give it permission to, to surface right in this moment. It's because of something that's already happened to you. In the same podcast, Brene Brown talks about her study. She studies shame, fear, loneliness, um, vulnerability. Again, vulnerability is like the word of the day, the word of the year, the decade, whatever my life that people who stopped doing creative pursuits often had something and by stop doing, I mean like in their teens and, and before they became adults often had a shame event, an event around creating shame when they were young. So if they were a singer or, you know, singing choir or painting or writing, whether it was a teacher, whether it was a parent, whether it was somebody in their life who was an authority figure whoever it was told them they weren't good enough. Whether it was, if you've experienced this in your own family, somebody leaving your, the, the fear of being abandoned is going to be what's driving you and, and what's holding you back from creating these really meaningful, deep, vulnerable, intimate relationships with other people because you are going to be self-preserving because you're going to be putting up these walls, trying to keep people in keep people, keep people in and keep people from coming in. 
I used to joke um, before I had done the work about people trying to date me. I'm like, you know, good luck trying to even get into my house. Um, I would go on dates. This is like the last time I was single. Go on dates and would not allow them to come into my home. I have a I have a house. Like, I have a house because of my dogs, but I have a full house. <laughs> also, my favorite TV show is uh, growing up. I have, a, I have a, a house on my own. There's no reason why somebody can't come in. But this is, a, this is like my safe spot. This is my place where I feel the safest. I feel at home. I don't have a family home anymore. Um, we sold that. I don't have like a soft place to land. This is my soft place to land. I can't, something happens to me in my job. Like I am, I'm out on the streets. Like not literally. I'll have friends who would take me in Gaston, <laughs> Allie, anybody else. Um, but I wouldn't allow anybody to come in. And it's like, I had these, like this, this metaphorical moat filled with like dragons and fucking piranhas, like just at the driveway. Like people would be like, can I just, can I just walk you in? I'm like, no, 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 no. Just gonna stay right here. We're gonna stay right here. We'll say goodbye here. (laughs) And I'm like, I'll come over, but I'm not gonna sleep over. Like I, I have these rules and I still am am trying to let go of them, but I have these like things to keep myself at a safe distance from people. And it's because I have this fear that is always trying to creep up on me that I am not, that I'm going to be experiencing abandonment from this person, even if I don't care about them yet. So it's like my first move to keep power, to keep the control in this relationship, whatever it looks like, even if it's just, you know, even if it's a, it's a new thing, I need to keep control by keeping distance. And it's because of this fear of abandonment. And it's because the fear of abandonment is something that has already happened. I've already been abandoned multiple times. So therefore my psyche, my subconsciousness is like, whoa, 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 protect ourselves. We're going to like fight or flight mode. That's always running, running away. And we're going to protect you from what's going to happen. So, you know, we're going to create these boundaries. And if anybody tries to push the boundaries, then we're going to push back and we're going to like drop them like a hot potato. I see myself so clearly, you guys, you have no idea. (laughs) The hard part is seeing yourself clearly and then doing something about it. Because if you don't do something about it, you're going to stay in the complete same vicious cycle going around and around and being like, why do all these guys or why do all these people if you're, and I want to address this. Like I, I think sexuality is so fluid. My sexuality has been fluid in, in the past that I don't think it's a secret. But, um, so when I say guys and like, I'm using this, this, this gender sort of um, construct that I don't necessarily believe, but I think it's easier for people to understand when I'm speaking about men and women for an example. And you're going to be in the same vicious cycle and you're going to think that it's the men or the women or the whoever that are the same, not realizing that it's yourself. I think in school or maybe at work, you find the common denominator. That's a term that I think we're used to uh, reviewing or thinking about. So what the common denominator is usually in situations that seem to be repetitive, that seem to have the same deja vu is what is it that you are doing? Maybe subconsciously, probably subconsciously that is, that is destroying your chances at happiness. So I, in, in my spin classes, and I'll talk more about my rides at some point, probably, and how they've sort of saved me and, and really made me have to be super introspective. <laughs> When you're standing up on a podium, when you're on a bike and you're leading people and you're saying words, you've never felt more seen in your entire life, but you have to confront these things that you are doing consistently. And if you are consistently in your own way, you're going to keep finding yourself falling down in the same spots and not quite getting what your, what your ultimate goal is because rationally you say, you know, I want to be in a relationship if that's your goal, or I want this job, I want this career. But instead of getting there, you keep finding yourself falling just short of it. And what I'd like you to do is really look at your own, your own role in this and ask yourself if you're self-sabotaging because you're too afraid of actually succeeding. One of my favorite quotes talks about how our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, 
our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Let that sink in. Rewind it if you need to. Go back 15 seconds. Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We are so afraid of being a tall poppy. We are so afraid of shining. We are so afraid of being seen, of being like something that people look at and see and point to. And if you're, I have people listening probably like, I'm an introvert. I don't want anybody to see me. And that's fine. Like you can have personality types up the wazoo. Anybody's listening, Carly, my good friend, Rochelle, who has an amazing podcast called The Curious Human. We are obsessed with Enneagrams. I'm on an Enneagram two wing three for the record. My, I feel most, I feel like I'm doing my best work and I'm I'm at best service when I'm helping other people. Like that's, it's, it's definitely like part ego, but I just feel like that's my purpose in this world is, is to help others. Um, there's a friend's episode where Phoebe tries to like find an unselfish act of kindness. And it's really hard for her because if you like, if you're a good person, you like doing other things for other people because it makes you feel good. So I understand that. I see that. But a lot of people allow that fear of being seen to get in their way of their dreams because they are afraid of being vulnerable in front of other people. They are afraid of being seen and saying, you know, and, and taking a chance and taking that leap. Um, I'm going to, again, quote Brene Brown on this, and you have to buy her, buy her book, Rising Strong, and listen to her podcast and watch her TEDx talk, Daring Greatly. But when you find it almost impossible to stand on the edge of something, when you find it impossible to stay in limbo, that's when you know that you need to leap. And it's not about knowing exactly where you're going to land. You don't know where you're going to land if you take a chance on something, if you really go after your dream, if you really put yourself out there and ask that person out. It's about the journey. It's about feeling weightless for a second and taking that leap and, and really just taking the chance because you never know what's going to happen if you don't. And my biggest fear in, in life, besides being abandoned, since now you guys know everything about me, is that I am going to have any sort of regret about wish I would have done. You'll, if if anybody knows me and maybe knows the trajectory of my life, they know that I'm I'm really big on taking chances because I recognized early on that that's I'm not afraid of dying alone which is, I think, a narrative a lot of people talk about is like their biggest fear. My, I'm, my biggest fear is that I'm going to have regrets on trying, on not trying something. I'm going to regret not trying something and wishing I had. And so I have done a ton of different activities. You'll see, you'll recognize these people who have that same fear in society. You'll see people who you know, will start their own businesses, entrepreneurs. When I was younger, I first, you know, I was played every single sport. I just tried stuff because I was like, I, you know, I, at that time, I don't think it was anything other than like, let's see if I'm good at it. And once you gain that confidence, then it's almost like the steamroll effect where you, you begin to feel like, Hey, I can try something and be good at it. And so it's really about like that first initial foundation. And if you were a kid and you didn't get that, then it's, it's definitely harder to develop this habit as you, as you get older. And if you didn't have the family foundation that supported you in it, then it's even harder to do this independently. Um, but when I was between my university degree and my diploma, I took a year off to save money before Crecom and, uh, wanted to try DJing. So I started DJing and that was, uh, definitely taking a chance on something new. There was about two female DJs in Winnipeg at the time, maybe. And like none that were really out there. Um, I would say in like mainstream. And when I first started thinking about it, like I've always loved music. I've always had a, a ear for music. My parents' house was full with of records. Like my dad had a collection of, of, you know, thousands of records. Van Morrison was the soundtrack to my, my childhood home. I, decided I kept going out. I was doing some promotion and like freelance PR for this, uh, this company that put on shows, lots of DJ shows. And I would see these DJs doing like mixing in such a cool way, in a way that they would find like unique lyrics. My dog's just like coming straight up to my face. Yeah. Hi. Hi. 
Okay, we love each other. Yeah, it's great. It's been confirmed. Okay, go sit over there. Um, so I'd see these DJs doing this cool, like, almost subtle strategic mixing. So they find a word in one song and then find another word that matched it in another song and mix them together. And beat matching is it's part of DJing. And I just got inspired. And I was like, oh, man, I want to try this. And none of the DJs I knew wanted to teach me. I think they were like, oh, shit, there's going to be a girl. <laughs> like here now they're all really good friends of mine but they didn't teach they didn't help me at all like I looked on YouTube and found videos and rented equipment for long Wade and practiced in my room my brother was into audio equipment so he kind of helped me a bit with some RCA cables and figuring out like you know what end goes into what part of the mixer because this mixer doesn't look exactly like the one that's on the YouTube video and whatever but I like I want to say like a month after like first getting my equipment like rented I had my first show at Republic and it was opening for these two DJs who were, were amazing. And then like a month after that, I was opening for like, I was one of the, you know, there's like three openers, but I was one of the first openers for Steve Aoki at the time before he got super major. This is a long time ago. I'm really like dating myself <laughs> for all the young people listening. They're like, Jesus Christ, how old is this um, person? I'm 32 whatever. I don't care. But that, that was a thing that you were really, again, it's like spin. It's the exact same equivalent. I'm on a podium. I'm like, in, but the thing is with music, if you fuck it up, like everybody can hear. There's n- Everybody can remember a time when like music cut out at a club and it was like, oh, it's kind of like when, you know, a, a much more sober example when, when dishes crash at a restaurant and everybody's just like, you know, if you're drunk and you're an asshole, you'll say Opa or like cheer. Don't ever cheer, by the way. It's it's a dick move. Don't do it. But yeah, so that was one chance I took. And then being on camera and sort of the career I've chosen and working in football. And, and I've, I've heard a quote at one point being like, say yes and figure out how to do it later. And that's certainly something that I have taken to heart. I think that your life sort of gives you these opportunities and these chances and you have a split second decision to leap or not. And I usually choose to leap and figure out how to do it later. And it's been the best kind of gri- like guiding principles because yes, we always remember the times we failed, but you also have this amazing learning experience where you now know and you pick yourself up and you get better and you get better and you're better and you keep doing this. But if you don't do it the first time, if you don't fall once, you're never going to learn. Um, and again, talking about the confidence, building the confidence to try something new, put yourself out there. Um, and then you get to a point where you just stop caring. That also comes with aging. So uh, uh, again, I'll get into this at some point, but, um, the, the quote, be brave is one that really, um, guides my every day. And it's actually getting back to my mom. And when we're talking about fear, um, she was so scared, like she was terrified of, of living alone. That was her biggest fear. She told that, she said that to me. Um, and I had this amazing artist in Winnipeg called Cal Barteski. Her name is Cal Barteski. It's not called Cal Barteski. Her name is Cal Barteski, K-A-L Barteski. And she does these unbelievable kind of portraits of polar bears and has done different exhibits at the zoo. And and um, she had these temporary tattoos in her shop. This was, so this was 2013 and these temporary tattoos that were in her script and, and she does, she has a signature kind of script. You need to look her up on, on Instagram if you haven't yet. I'm looking at like five prints right now in my home that I have of hers. And it said, be brave, be brilliant. And there are these temporary tattoos. And so I got, I got them for my mom and I as matching, as matching things to wear on our wrists when she was going through this. And I kept saying, be brave, like it'll get better, be brave. Um, and so when I found these tattoos, it was so perfect. And then my mom decided she wanted to get it tattooed for real. (laughs) So Christmas of 2013, I took, uh, every time I laugh, my dog's like, are you crying? Are you laughing? (laughs) I'm kidding. I usually laugh these days. Um, but 2013 Christmas, my, my present to my mom was taking her to get her first and only tattoo she's ever had. And it said, be brave. And she had it done on her wrist and it was gorgeous and it was not small. It was fucking huge. And I was like, 
really you want it this big are you sure okay you know what whatever makes you happy whatever makes you happy like I was like just you know and you're in the mode when you're like when you're supporting somebody at that level you're just like literally anything like any little bit of happiness you just like fuck it I don't care like who cares so my mom was the toughest woman I've ever met um and she like didn't even flinch at the pain and she had this tattoo that was like you know she could see most of the time and I really think it got her through a lot, a lot of her uh, dark days, just like thinking about that phrase. It was be brave. Um, and when she passed away, I got my first tattoo on my inner arm, on my um, closest to my heart. That's the, that's the script I talked about earlier in her writing. And then in 2016, I guess I should just say like a few years later, I don't know. I'm used to everything being like a decade ago now. Um, she, I, I went to, sorry, I went to Hawaii on a trip. I actually went, I was supposed to get, whatever, I'm going on like five tangents as I did before, but I was supposed to get married in Maui. So this was like, this is how you know you're like really just excited for a wedding and not necessarily a marriage. I was planning the best wedding in Maui and I was like, man, this is going to be like the most gorgeous, like unreal party ever. And then I just kept like getting like, I just kept thinking about like the actual marriage. I was like, man, <laughs> afterward won't be so fun. But so I, I, when I broke that engagement off and, and broke up with that person, um, I had canceled all the accommodations and said, you know, like, okay, like this is like, I just canceled Airbnb, all these amazing VRBOs we had. And, and all of a sudden, like January, this was in, supposed to happen in March. We're supposed to get married on March 16th. And, my mom passed away, as I said, March 4th, you know, she was in the hospital on March 14th and then uh, March 18th is when she passed away. So I wanted to like have a, a better sort of anniversary around then. And that's why we chose that date. Also the whales are around in March and like, they're just amazing. If you ever go to Hawaii, they're so, I just, I like, I get like fangirl over the, <laughs> like fangirl over the waves <laughs> or whales. I like don't care about like actual superstars, but like give me dolphins or like turtles or whales and I just like I'm like there's a whale there's I'm just like there's a whale everywhere all the time in January February March like you don't you just calm down about them but so I I in January I got this email from VRBO being like your second payment on your accommodation is coming up and I look and see which accommodation it is and it's the one that my ex and I were supposed to stay in (laughs) And it was like gorgeous and like the type of place that gets booked up like a year in advance because it's, it's actually like somewhat affordable and it's right on the water and it's like this honeymoon suite. And I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm just going to go anyways. I don't care. I'm going to take a trip by myself. I've done a lot of solo trips since then. I did. I, I, so I wasn't, I was excited about doing it. Um, my dog is now snoring. God, they're like people. Um, so I, I was excited about going on my own I, and, and was like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to have this amazing time. I'm going to go for nine days and stay in this place and, and just like have a time. And like a week before, maybe two weeks before one of my best friends, um, Allie was like, girl, I'm coming with you. And we just had the most amazing trip ever. Um, people are nicer to you when you're not traveling as a couple, as an FYI for anybody who's like single and thinking about going on a trip by themselves or with a, with a girlfriend or with a boyfriend or whatever, I highly recommend it. Um, and we decided to get tattoos. My friend endured a tragedy while we were there. Her cousin passed away really suddenly, which was awful. And we were going, it was happened to be around the same time of my mom's anniversary and everything. And, um, so we decided to get tattoos. So she got a tattoo in honor of her cousin and I got be brave on my ribs. So I now have this tattoo that reminds me of confronting my fears and the power that comes with understanding where that fear originates from, what stories my mind is trying to tell my body, what stories my mind is trying to tell myself when I'm confronted with an amazing opportunity. And instead of deciding to leap, I want to run. Um, And I really think it comes back to that, that quote I talked about earlier about you know, yes, you are afraid of certain things, but it's probably something that's already happened and your brain is just trying to distance you from it. 
is trying to protect yourself and bless you, bless your body, bless your mind for trying to do that. But you cannot run away from all of the joy that this world has to offer you because you're afraid of that thing happening again. And the only way that you're going to get through it and actually allow it to heal you in a way where I'm able to talk about my mom passing away in the way that she did, I'm able to talk about that to anybody, it's because I've allowed it to heal me because I've confronted it from top down. I've, I've talked about it. I've healed from it. I've listened to podcasts. I've done the work. I've been in the trenches and I'm on the other side saying, you know, I recognize that I have this fear, but I don't allow it to control me anymore. And if you want to get a tattoo, fuck it, get a tattoo. And if that'll help you, you know, confront your fear or remind yourself of the power that you have and that you are in control of your own destiny. I think the universe has us on different paths, but ultimately it's your it's your decision whether you're going to follow it. You can't just fall into your perfect life. You have to do the work. I talked about this in the first one. And through that confrontation of fear, there's also forgiveness, forgiving yourself um, and forgiving others. I just feel like I just did the, the, that, um, the Lord's prayer. <laughs> swear, I swear this is not a religious podcast. Um, I would say it's spiritual because I, I will be talking about spirituality at some certain point. And I did graduate full disclosure. I did graduate from Canadian Mennonite university with a minor in theology, and I might have taken a preaching course and I might have gotten an A in it. So, <laughs> so if anybody who rides with me, like, ever refers to me as Sister Hannah, which they have. And I hope not like that nun that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> but it's because I've actually practiced it. I've actually delivered sermons. Um, and I, you know what? I did really well in it. So <laughs> here we are. So back to forgiveness. I've had some really horrible things happen to me, as I've discussed at like a really high level in episode one and, you know, in this episode as well. And sometimes it can be really hard to swallow that these things are happening to you. And what makes it harder is when the people who've done these things to you are super shitty. Uh, you know, I'll take that back. I'll retract. When the people who've done these shitty things to you don't confront it themselves. Like they often will gaslight you. They will come up with excuses for what they've done and why they've done it. They'll entangle themselves in this web of lies that's so detailed that they can't even they can't even find the truth anymore. And you're sitting there on the other side, the one who should rightfully so be experiencing pain and the person isn't going to even going to validate it for you. And when you feel unvalidated, you can't then get closure from it. And the hardest part about forgiving somebody is when you have to forgive someone who hasn't asked for forgiveness. And I've had to do both. I've had to, you know, look somebody in the face who's come back after years and, and actually confronted what they've done and, and done a bit of work and, and apologized wholeheartedly. People get taken off track. There's shades of people. People go through phases in their lives. They get off track of their own values, their own guiding principles, and they fall into, you know, looking out for themselves versus looking out for the people that they're supposed to love. And, and that's, that's an easier path to forgiveness. But when you have somebody who hasn't asked for your forgiveness, it is so much harder. Cheryl Strayed, who's one of my favorite authors, the author of Wild, talks about this. And one of her, my favorite quotes is forgiveness. Isn't the hot, pretty boy sitting at the bar. Forgiveness is the fat old man that you have to drag up a hill. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything more accurate because forgiving somebody, uh, is such a hard fucking job. It is so much hard work. It is a really big task and it's not fun, especially if they're not even validating your feelings in the first place. So you have to sort of close this loop a little bit in your own mind, uh, yourself as much as you possibly can realizing 
that forgiveness isn't for the other person. It is for yourself. Forgiveness isn't for the other person and it doesn't make you weak. It's for yourself. Forgiveness is releasing that burden, that festering pain within your gut that seems to grow and grow and grow the longer you let it live in your body. Forgiveness is releasing the pain that you're feeling day to day, waking up and remembering what your reality is because it's somebody else's fault. Forgiveness is releasing your own identity as being one as a victim and taking back your power and taking back your control of your situation, your life and your path. Forgiveness isn't for the other person. And the, the quicker that you come to that realization, the quicker that you understand the purpose behind forgiveness, the more easily you will come to that conclusion and come to that path, come to the end of that journey, release yourself from the pain, release yourself from whatever is holding you back, releasing yourself again from that victim mentality where somebody else is responsible for your healing. It's actually so empowering if you think about it. You're, you don't have to wait for somebody to say sorry. And then when you've done all that forgiving of somebody else, you can figure forgive yourself for ever having let this pain live in your body. So that is where I'm going to conclude it for today. You guys are probably like, holy shit. She just went from talking about whatever, DJing, dogs, etc., cetera, to, to forgiveness and fear. But uh, that is the name of the game. We go from crying to laughing and back again in this podcast. Yes, you can. The whole goal is to help empower you guys coming through whatever pain it is from whatever healing you need to do in this moment in your life with action plans. So confront your fears, understand what's driving your actions and forgive yourself for ever holding on to a path that's not one full of light and love. I hope you guys have an amazing day. I will talk to you again next week. See ya. Mm-hmm.